This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the TopRopePress.com radio network. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Welcome back to Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. I'm your host, Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of Top Rope Press, joined here as always by the lead news writer from Top Rope Press, or you may better know him as the former parrot trainer who worked arm-in-arm with Coco Beware in the early 1990s, Mr. Kyle Ross. What's going on, Kyle? True story. My first wrestling t-shirt, I think, was Coco Beware. Awesome. And I kind of didn't want it. My aunt bought it for me. I was like, ooh, Coco Beware. <laughs> I didn't like birds. I've never liked birds either, so I kind of didn't like a shirt with a bird on it. That's that's all very true. I really liked Coco Beware when I was a kid, and then I got to be about 13, 14, and I was like, what was I thinking? I don't. It wasn't Frankie anymore when he got into the Hall of Fame, but I always love that story how the bird did take a crap on the podium in his Hall of Fame. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, as we says, Top Rope Nation, um, you can find all the back episodes of the show at topropepress.com. You can also find us over on podbean.com, Stitcher, of course, iTunes. Go ahead and throw us a review out on there. And just released, Kyle, this week, we do have our official first t-shirt of the show. I'm calling it the Top Rope Nation Vintage T-Shirt. It's for sale on Pro Wrestling Tees. If you like the show and you want to support one, Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Press, and you can find that t-shirt. What did you think of the design, Kyle? It was great. You know, you've truly made it when you have a t-shirt. <laughs> that's, that's the measuring stick for podcasts, right? Yeah, definitely. It, it's kind of a throwback. If you're an old-school wrestling fan, you might know that the inspiration is the old uh, WWF All-American Wrestling syndicated show uh, logo so i have a buddy who's a graphic designer he's been working on it for a few weeks i've been teasing it on the show that we had this new t-shirt coming and i think it's uh i think it's pretty it's low-key but you know if you like wrestling you'll get the reference so um yeah i highly recommend it two thumbs up so we just had the raw and smackdown ratings come in over the last couple days actually smackdown's ratings came out just this afternoon and if you're one of those people out there that's holding out hope for SmackDown to top Raw in the ratings, we got some bad news for you. Because SmackDown came in at 2.3 million viewers approximately this week, 2.340. Uh, Raw, which went head-to-head with the U.S. presidential debate that drew around 81 million people. Um, also Monday Night Football, of course. Raw still drew a 2.478 rating. Now, for Raw, that's a horrible rating. This was the, I believe, the second lowest or second least watched Raw um, of all time. I think the only lower rated Raw was a Christmas week special in 1996. And so if SmackDown was ever going to top Raw in the ratings, this was the week to have it happen, especially the, considering they were promoting an AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose world title match. Were you shocked by this SmackDown rating as much as I was, Kyle? Shocked seems like a strong word. Disappointed, though. Yeah. I mean, if you're Smack, I mean, you know, it it just shows that, you know, the stigma is still there and SmackDown probably can never beat Raw. I mean, it didn't. Did it? I can't remember. Did did the draft beat Raw when they held the draft on SmackDown? I think it may I have, have, or it was very close to Raw. I've, I've got the SmackDown number. The draft was 3.1 million. Mm-hmm. And then let me look up for Raw, what they did that same week. I know they were uh, very, very close. It, it yeah, they, they were close. It. 
Um, let's see. Raw ratings. Raw ratings. Oh, okay. Here we go. This is real professional. <laughs> uh, that would be 718. They were basically dead even. Yeah, because that Raw did 3.1 million as well. So they were, that was like a dead even week. Yeah. So. And both shows have dropped off a lot since July. Since but then, Absolutely. Uh, I think we're talking off air. I think this kind of shows you what the floor is for Monday Night Raw viewership. I mean, I can't. Can you imagine anything else that could go head to head with Raw on a Monday night and take away more of their audience? We're talking about 81 million viewers for a presidential debate. If that didn't, I mean, if that dropped Raw to 2.4 million, I can't imagine anything that could get it below that or take away even more of the audience. So I think. That's probably the floor, at least at this point. Now, of course, WWE could continue losing audience over the next year or two, and we might be in the one point something million viewership, which would be disastrous. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before that they've, you know, the floor for viewership is probably as high as it's ever been. Now, the ceiling's probably as low at the same time. Um, It kind of surprised me that it did drop here uh to this level believe it or not because you know we were tweeting i think back and forth with abby and you know she's oh it's gonna be so bad at all time and i was like you know that fourth of july rating if you go back to it that and that was pretty bad at the time that was 2.6 million they did but it stayed so constant that was like the most that there was like basically no fluctuation between hours whatsoever i was like you know if you're staying at home on the fourth of july to watch wrestling you're pretty hardcore and if you could still do that number um, you know, you're not going to do much lower for anything, but you know, this was kind of a once in a, I don't know, a lifetime that might be a bit of a stretch, but you know, very few times in history will you have a TV event, what we saw Monday with Trump and Clinton. So yeah, that's it. I, I can't imagine it'll ever do lower. Yeah. And the, the cable rating was a 1.75. And if you want to hear a, a scary stat here, we're going to talk a little bit later about TNA and the ongoing, uh, story with their possible sale this week and whether or not bound for glory will happen on Sunday, but raw doing a 1.75 rating, the second lowest of all time. I believe the highest rated editions of TNA impact when they were on spike TV was around a 1.5 or so. So did you ever think you would see Monday night raw just barely outdrawing TNA impact at the height? That kind of blew my mind when I look back at like the highest rated TNA impact shows they were, they were doing, uh viewership wise they were over um, just a little bit over a million i think but they had drawn some cable broadcast ratings of 1.5 or so so raw was yeah. not too far away yeah well i mean this was and the thing too is um if you look at the pattern from hour to hour the debate really killed this show because it started at 2.8 which was actually higher than the previous week so maybe you can attribute that to co- the night after a pay-per-view but it just plummeted um, by about 500,000 to hour two. And then the drop from hour two to hour three actually wasn't that much. It was just about eh, 150,000 or so. Um, it was more severe than the drop the previous week. But um, I think, what do you think about this? I, I wanted to bring this up to you. Okay. This just came back to me. I thought of this in the car earlier that I wanted to have this discussion. and I'm glad it came back to me right now. You remember a little angle called the NWO stood for the New World Order? Vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. Do you remember what night, obviously it was Monday, but what night that Scott Hall made his initial debut in WCW? Yeah, it was Memorial Day, 96. Yes. My point is, I bring this up not to just say things that everyone remembers, but, you know, WWE, like, this whole mentality of just throwing in the towel, I think is foolish. Because the, the issue with Raw isn't just that, eh, you know, they don't have enough people watching. It's that when they don't watch, they don't feel that they've missed anything. And we'll go back and skewer this raw because there's plenty to skewer. But that to me is the issue. They didn't even try. Like to me, like if I'm looking at the, if I'm booking this show and I know the debate's on from 9 to 1030. Okay, well, I've got the first hour. And then, well, okay, the debate will stop at 9.30, and yes, there's kind of a post-game, and they're going to be talking. But to me, in that first hour, why not even try to set up some sort of hot main event that you could say, hey, 9.30, and you could keep hyping it back and get that time, and people can come back. Okay, maybe you lose them for the 90 minutes, but give them a reason to come back. They didn't even give them any, They didn't announce a main event, really, 
until it was main event time. Like I was looking at my because I was flipping back and forth. And truth be told, I was doing mostly watching the debate at the time because I was DVRing Raw. But on my Twitter feed, people like, what is the main event of this show? And that's a problem because we talked about in the past, the third hours that do well. It's when there's a main event that people know and are looking forward to. Yeah, that was definitely a blown opportunity. I mean, if you look at the ratings, so they had 2.8 million people tuned in at the start, which, like you pointed out, that was more than last week. So people were at least a little bit curious about this show coming off of Clash of Champions. And, I mean, Kyle, like you said, rather than trying to hook those people to come back after the debate, it was like, yeah, they completely threw in the towel. You got Roman Reigns and Rusev opening the show. It's just mind-blowing to me. They would send those guys out there to start and go in a 30-minute match that just completely killed any chance of retaining any audience once that debate was over. So, yeah, I I DVR'd the show, but when I, at 8 o'clock, or that's 8 o'clock Central, so 9 o'clock Eastern, when I tuned over to the debate, I I didn't come back and watch the rest of the show till the next day. And I honestly had to force myself to watch it the way Raw's been lately, so. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, to start out the show with a 30-minute non-finish match, that was total time filler that's what it was it was just time filler yeah it just makes no sense there's because no way there's no way vince the or the, the writing show. committee could be that out of touch to think that people actually want to see that i mean that's that's a clear sign that this was a throwaway show from the start and if you're a knowledgeable enough wrestling fan and you know wwe's throwing away this show why even watch so well uh, i'll give them a minor pass my keyword minor in the sense that i can confirm that the Rollins injury caused a rewrite of the show. And one would guess that rather than come up with a creative idea, they were like, well, okay, let's just stretch with this long match to open the show. Yeah. Fill up a couple segments. Yeah. To me, you, if you're going to do that match and just kind of fill time in the three hours, first of all, it speaks to the fact that the show's too damn long Two. You put it in the middle of the show. You don't you it makes no it wasn't even a hot match is the thing. It'd be one thing if it was a super hot match that got the people going, but it wasn't. It was just a slowly worked match. It was no better uh, than the previous night at Clash Champions. I, I just it was it just was a total phone and effort. And I don't I don't understand why you don't at least try to do something, because I really think that's the problem with WWE TV. It's not. I mean, obviously, it's a problem when people don't watch, but the problem is a lot of these shows, you know, if someone asked you, oh, what did I miss last night? I mean, how many times is the answer? Eh, not really. Not really. <laughs> how long has it been since there has been a, a must-see segment on Raw? I can't even. Oh, well, th- th- I would, you know, I would say the Owens title win was. Yeah. I-, I think that was something that if you missed it, you're like, oh, you know, wish I, mean, I would have caught that. But other than that, yeah, I mean, they're few and far between. Yeah. Well, that, that was one of the few times they actually built up the match. And like you said, uh, the, the rating actually increased throughout that show because people were looking forward to a main event that was hyped. And they didn't even do that whatsoever this week. So, yeah, it's we I guess we see the usual trend. People tuning out as the three hour way too long show goes on. But by the way, you, you referenced that it was in competition with a Christmas 96 edition, Raw. Was that the famous Santa Claus show? When Vince McMahon gave us the epic call, that can't be the real Santa Claus. (laughs) I I cannot even remember. I I remember during that holiday season, they had a Raw where they did like a, it was like a football-themed, like, New Year's Day bowl thing or something. Oh, yes, the Raw Bowl. That was like yeah. the smoking guns were in it and stuff. Yes, yeah. it was like tag teams. And that might have been January 96. So I guess that might have yes, been a year. Yes, yes, that earlier. was January 96. And I'm wondering, I can't remember if Santa Claus was December 95 or December 96. I just remember the famous, but that can't be the real Santa Claus. And I was just like, what am I watching? It was December 23rd, 96. It was taped in Tampa, Florida. Actually, they had taped two shows there because the week before was also there. So this was a taped show. And the results... So this was the lowest rated Raw of all time, by the way, if, if you are, you're wondering here. This was... Uh, we had Mark Camaro defeat Triple H in a icy title match by Countout. You had Rocky Maivia and Sal Sincere. You, you had... Uh, the new rockers in action against 
two Ooh. guys I've never heard of. So this must have been a squash match for the new Rockers. <laughs> and this was right after Bret Hart had came back at the Survivor Series that year, and he faced the the uh, fake Razor Ramon in the main event. So that was a pretty horrible show. Yeah, wow. That was that must have been like right after the In Your House It's Time pay per view. Because a lot of those guys worked that show. Like the new Rockers, I think, got like a tag title match on that show, if I remember correctly. That Yeah, because, yeah, that's right. Because I know that In Your House was in Florida. And uh, so this would have been taped on December 16th and aired the, the week after. So I think probably the 15th was In Your House It's Time. And the reason yeah. I remember that is because I remember uh, there's like a Sunday morning, uh, was it like Action Zone or whatever the show was back then? And I remember watching that. Maybe it was Superstars. And uh, throughout the whole show, I think Doc Hendricks was the host, as WWF called him at the time, Michael P.S. Hayes. And uh, he was outside the arena, and like randomly, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were like chasing each other around, kind of brawling throughout the uh, Sunday morning show, hyping if Shawn would get involved in the main event or not. It was pretty, Which pretty he did. strange. If, yeah, yeah. That was that was a real nadir for WWF that time period. They had no, you know, we we kind of lament how there's no sort of long-term focus now there was none at that period they, they were just like kind of clueless I, w- I would argue that time period w- marked no matter what the actual numbers say but like just for my taste that that three four month time period really this or even you can make it six from the from the birth of the nwo till ni- the end of 96 to me that was the furthest wcw was ever ahead of wwf creatively yeah they what they had going for him was Bret Hart's return, and that was about it. Yeah, from his and, hiatus. Yeah, and and it kind of was a little disappointing until he turned heel. So yeah, and then Austin obviously took care of the rest. <laughs> ninety-seven WWF, I love though. I think nineteen ninety-seven WWF. If you go back and you watch on the network, those Raws and the whole Hart Foundation, uh, USA, Canada feud. It's still one of my great, my most favorite uh, storylines of all time. Easily. Oh, for sure. The the only thing though, if you go back and watch any like pay-per-view from 97 very top heavy oh yeah the yeah. stuff at the bottom was still like there was the godwins were still working like every show back then um you know there were some dogs man yeah uh well wwf and wcw in that era they had kind of like the opposite problem like you said wwf's main event scene was awesome undercard horrible wcw great undercard terrible main event scene yes yes as far as yeah. in-ring work goes yeah yeah they had the you know the, the star the star power for wcw worked um for a while, for a while there until, you know, everyone just got sick of them. Same guys. So anyways, we're getting way off track here, but hey, yeah. we, oh. Kyle, we definitely got to do a nostalgia show sometime. I agree. I <laughs> agree. Know, I was kind of, I was actually hoping to just like bring you that way, like to bring you to that dimension. And then, you know, like 30 <laughs> minutes later, we'd realize we never talked about SmackDown and you'd be like, well, you know, that's it for this week. And this says so much about the product, though. I mean, I can remember stuff that happened on wrestling in the late and mid-90s. I can write, I can vividly remember what happened show to show. And if you ask me what happened three weeks ago on Raw, I can't tell you today. It's just that's stuff. The problem. <laughs> nothing is memorable. That's the problem. It's a show about nothing. It's like Seinfeld. Yeah. So. Except not funny. Kyle, I got the perfect idea for doing some uh, retro shows like this. I mentioned last week we started a, a Patreon page. Okay. What we're looking to do, if you're listening to the show, if you go to patreon.com slash toprobenation, um, it's kind of like a, not really a fun drive, but it's a way to show that, you know, you support the show. A lot of podcasts are doing this these days. And all we're asking, if you donate $1 per show um, to the cause. If we get a few people subscribed, Kyle and I will produce some Patreon only podcasts that only subscribers can listen to. And you don't have to pay, you don't have to pay us 10 bucks a show, 15 bucks a show. We're not talking about a lot of money. Throw us a dollar a week, (laughs) $1 a week. And we'll start doing some extra shows. Maybe we'll do some retro shows. Look at WWF in the nineties, WCW in the nineties, ECW. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll top that. If you, you can tell us which what you want to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon suggested shows. Yes. So you throw out, you know, what do you want us to talk about on these members only shows? Um, we'll come on here. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll even have you guys call in on the Skype line, get some uh, discussion going with the listeners. So that will be Patreon only, though. So if you want to see that happen, patreon.com slash top rope nation. 
for as little as $1 a show. If we get a few of you subscribed, it'd be well worth it. So check it out. Yep. We've got uh, It's all explained on that website, and it's a pretty cool thing. Check out some of the other podcasts on there, too. So, yeah, SmackDown, I, I can't see them beating – can't see him beating Raw in the ratings if they couldn't do it this week. And uh, speaking of SmackDown, Kyle, you had a chance to be there live last yes. night. We were recording this on Wednesday. So Kyle was in attendance at SmackDown. Uh, Kyle usually writes the show review for Top Rope Press. So I stepped into his shoes last night and I wrote the show review. And Kyle, just tell us what were some of your live thoughts as far as crowd reaction, uh, attendance-wise, watching it in person versus on television lately because you're watching it every week you're writing reviews what what do you think of smackdown this week well i did read your review as soon as i got back home and i gotta say that uh i pretty much agree with everything you said uh, so there wasn't too much of a disconnect i guess be, between being there live and uh watching a tv at least as far as what worked and what didn't uh the crowd was not strong that was my first big takeaway. I don't know if that may be something you did not, and I assume you couldn't notice the TV because they're smart enough to hide that, but not only was the entire top section tarped off, about half the middle section was too. I mean, this was a pretty weak crowd. Uh, they, they could not have been happy. I was very surprised when midway through the show they announced a return date in January for a Raw. It's going to be the 23rd and... I think that's going to be the go home for the Royal Rumble. I actually looked up when is the Royal Rumble 2017. Obviously, there's been some rumors that it's going to be in Los Angeles. And interestingly enough, Raw is in Los Angeles next week. So I would not be surprised if we got that announced date um, Monday night for the Rumble. It makes sense. Yeah. So um, that's, I, I guess, kind of all adds up. But uh, live crowd was not strong, uh, you know, was not well attended. Um, I had some people around me kind of referencing Unforgiven 08, which was a pay-per-view we had here. It was the Mike Adamley era with the championship scramble. And Cleveland kind of didn't get a big WWE show for a while after that one. Uh, but apparently they want they want to come back, which is good. But, uh, yeah, the Miz Ziggler thing was obviously the highlight, especially for the live crowd with both guys being from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, Cena, uh, pardon me, uh, Styles. Ambrose was good, not great. And then I think the rest of the show was pretty forgettable. It was just all placeholding stuff. I got to ask you, because I wrote in my review, I, you know, we are very complimentary towards SmackDown on the show. If you've been listening lately, we think SmackDown's been blowing raw out of the water. But I wrote in the review, I thought this show was a pretty big step back. It kind of seemed like it was a throwaway show. And uh, the biggest problem I had with the show was that for 90 minutes, you had two matches. Uh, the main event started... Just, uh, it's about a half hour left in the show. So for 90 minutes, you had um, kind of an eight-man tag match. It was like basically every tag team on SmackDown. Um, then you had a, a tag team women's match and nothing. A lot of segments of backstage skits with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, which were just awful, by the way. Uh, and finally, yeah, you had that main event. It was a pretty good TV match. Nothing like um, what these guys are capable of maybe on a pay-per-view show. But my question is, did the lack of wrestling out in front of the live crowd kill the crowd? I mean, by the time that main event started, was there a noticeable dip? Know, or? I think when Cena came out, he got probably the best star reaction. It wasn't universally you know, liked or disliked. It was the usual Cena reaction, but it was still loud. Uh, the show never really seemed to drag. Uh, I will say that the live stuff or sitting in the crowd, the Orton Wyatt angle didn't play well. I mean, there were people kind of like just like snickering and laughing in the crowd. No one was really super into it or buying it. Um, I like you kind of thought it was the low point of the show. Like when I saw that it was going to be dragged out throughout the two hours, I was kind of like, oh, boy. Um, so, no, I don't think it necessarily because the crowd was pretty hot still for that main event, I okay. think. But um, yeah, I, I definitely know. I actually didn't notice there was only. Um, had been two matches in the first 90 minutes. So you read your report. I it kind of it dawned on me. I was like, oh, yeah, there really were only two matches on that. Because, we, you know, we got to see um, main event beforehand. And my God, I was stunned how over the three babyface guys were in the main event. Or uh, not the main event of SmackDown, but the show main event that they taped. Jack Swagger, Apollo Crews, and Kane. My God, if you ever want to get a good pop as a babyface, you know, be the first one who comes out at the TV taping. <laughs> 
Yeah, the reason I ask you is because uh, I went to a WCW Nitro in 1999 in uh, Cedar Rapids, which is dealing with a lot of flooding issues this week, if you've been watching the news. Bless your soul, by the way. <laughs> and I go to this Nitro. Nine. Yeah, 99 WCW. This is like Kevin Nash booking territory. And uh, there was not a single match the entire first hour of the show. You were at that show. Yeah, you know the show, don't you? I, I was, yes. I was I there. Watched, I watched that on TV, and that I definitely noticed. I'm like, what is going on here? They haven't been in the ring. It, that was like right when Tori Wilson had debuted, right? It was her, Hogan, and Nash sitting on a couch for an hour, like telling jokes. Wasn't it? No, Hogan wasn't there. It was, oh, uh, no, this was right after, let's see, I believe it was Slamboree, their May pay-per-view. Yeah, it was right after Slamboree, which was in St. Louis, um, at the TWA. Oh, I'm thinking of a different one. Did they do that twice, or am I just getting my time periods confused? Yeah, this is this is the famous one. I've, I've heard people talk about it before. Okay. Yeah, it, they were, re- basically, they're recapping um, everything that happened at this pay-per-view, which was like, it wasn't the night before. It was actually a week earlier. And for some reason, like they didn't have a nitro the next night after that pay-per-view. So this was the first nitro since Slamboree, but it, it was like eight days later. So for like the whole first hour of the show, this was May 17th, 99. If you got the network, um, I know yeah. why there was no nitro after Slamboree. Cause that was during the basketball playoffs. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think that was maybe opposite the Owen Hart tribute episode of Raw. Because remember, yeah. didn't it was didn't the week before? Unopposed? It was the week okay. before. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember I was really disappointed because um, I was always more of a WWF fan. And I went to the show and I forgot to set my VCR kids. Kids of VCR, by the way. They did exist at the time, if you've never heard of one. Uh, I forgot to set my VCR to record Raw. And then that Sunday, of course, was Owen's tragic death. And I was always disappointed that I never I didn't see his last raw appearance because I forgot to tape the show. Hmm. Yeah. So anyways, the crowd was dead because they didn't have a single match the first hour of the show. Now, you you had matches kind of intertwined. You didn't go like 60 minutes without a match. But I was just curious. It made me think of going to that show where the the crowd was pretty dead, although I think uh it might have been Rey Mysterio who came out for the first match over an hour into the show, and he got like a Hogan-like pop because people were so crazy that we were finally going to have a match. So, and those were that was Nitro was still doing three hours, right? They didn't get rid of that till Russo. Yeah, it was a three-hour show. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it didn't. I mean, I, again, the two hours and the difference is so striking between two hours and three hours. You know, I, I didn't really ever feel like bored during the show, even though it was. You know, as you said, a pretty nondescript show. I think um, the two matches they did have before the main event were just total placeholder type things. It was like, hey, the tag team division is still going on and the women's division is still going on. Although I do give them credit. The finishes at least further storylines. Yeah. Which you can't always say about the booking on Raw. Mm-hmm. You know, Carmella got the best of Nikki. The Usos got the best of Slater. Rhino. at least that sets up, you know, pay-per-view matches. I'll at least give them credit there. I mean, the, neither match was anything to write home about, but. Um, the finishes at least made sense. And the finish for the main event, you know, you had referenced earlier, eh, it wasn't the greatest, and I would agree with you. But if there was ever a time you'd want to protect both guys, even the guy who's losing, um, obviously, uh, it was that situation. Because you don't want to beat a guy clean before he's going to be in a triple threat match because you're like, well, why is this guy even in the match then? So yeah. I thought the finish, while, you know, okay, kind of lame with Cena getting involved, worked in that instance. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really have much of a problem with the finish. It worked. I I liked the main event a lot. I think I gave it three and a quarter stars in my report. That it was, it was decent. Right. Yeah, it that wasn't. It wasn't like extravagant, but it wasn't a bad match. It was definitely the best match on the show. Not a lot of competition with three matches, but yeah, I I guess I was stunned because whenever I review a TV show, I kind of look around the web to see what other people were saying about the show. And I saw some people that agreed with me, and I saw some other people that were like, oh, this was a really good show. And I'm thinking, like, and these are people whose opinions I really respect. And I'm like, what do you, what show were you watching? I mean, this was, like, clearly a step back from where SmackDown's been lately. Well, it was just, I mean, usually SmackDown's like, bang, bang, bang. They got a, quite a few matches, a lot of action going on. This was, there was so much happening backstage, mostly with that Wyatt Orton stuff that was just awful. I just, I, I don't know. It was definitely a step back from where they've been. To me, 
And, you know, my Twitter feed, it tends to be far more positive during SmackDown than it is Raw. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a case of that, even if, and I've made this point several times before on the show, even when SmackDown isn't great, it at least makes sense. Whereas, like, Raw is a show that can actively frustrate you as a wrestling fan. Yeah. Where you're just picking it to death and you're like, this makes no sense. And um, at least, you know, SmackDown, it, it kind of. It furthers things. I mean, Orton White, yes, there was really no payoff for the TV audience live. We at least got them to see, you know, work a tag as a dark match. At least it kind of like furthered that storyline. And, you know, we should mention that that's been officially added to No Mercy. No surprise there, Orton versus Wyatt. But, uh, yeah, I, I think overall it was still a better show than Raw this week. Yeah, Raw, I mean, there's a lot of issues with Raw this week. And yeah. uh, maybe even we the should pay-per-view. talk about the highlight, though. Of of smack the the Ms. Ziggler segment. I thought that was the best thing on WWE TV all week. Easily. I, oh yeah, I agree. I thought that was awesome. I went on and on about it in my report and how good it was. I think uh, you know, we've we've talked about before Ziggler on the mic having a tendency to scream into the mic, but this was a situation where it actually made sense, <laughs> and he was awesome. Ziggler did an awesome job on the mic. Miz is great as a heel, like we've been talking about on the show. Um, I didn't think I would really care about seeing these two wrestle yet again, but I was sold. I wrote in the I wrote in the report. I'm sold. I'm, I'm ready for this match at No Mercy. So they did a great job building it up. I liked the uh, families being in the front row. Yeah, you could tell by the way that these were not plants. That they were the this was the real no. deal. You could see the resemblance no. for both. of and them. And so it's funny. Somebody yelled. I don't know if this came across on TV. Somebody yelled, "Mr. Hero at mm-hmm. Miz." Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what Mr. Hero even is? Uh, I heard him say it, and then uh, didn't uh, one of them? Met, they mentioned it. Um, it was like a—is it a burger joint or something? Yeah, it's it's a it's a fast food chain. I think it's kind of local only here in Cleveland. And the Miz's family does own several of them. Like if you go to them, there's pictures of them in the back. There's the one. There's one by me, um, which you can risk your life to go to for a Roman burger, but uh, <laughs> it's not in the best area. But um, you know, behind the bulletproof glass, there is a montage to the Miz behind the register. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Miz kind of off the cuff. He said like, "Yes, my dad does own that" or something. Yeah. when they I, someone was heckling him with it. Yeah, there were there was one by where I used to live too. When I um, lived in the suburbs, there was one. His mom actually worked at that one. I think she she was the owner of that of that particular franchise. And uh, yeah, there was another montage to him. So yeah, if you're ever in Cleveland, you just stop at a Mister Hero. Chances are you will see a lot of Miz pictures up there. Hmm. interesting yeah well, that was a great segment best place to do it both of these guys being from around the cleveland area so yeah i, I thought that was the highlight of the show easily and i uh, i wrote this on top row press i at the, my uh live in person's notes which is now up there i know on the site and i ran into dolph ziggler at harry buffalo after the show <laughs> tell the story you were telling me off air you gotta tell okay. the listeners so me and my buddy are sitting there and my buddy's like is that dolph ziggler i'm like where he's like right there and I turned and he was, he was right there. And he kind of walks by and I was like, Hey man, and, you know, you acknowledge us. He was nice enough. I was like, I, and I, and I, and I throw him and I guess in retrospect, this was, you know, I should have, uh, this was too smarky. I was like, yeah, and a nice little segment he had out there. And he kind of just like looked at me with like such disdain and just kept walking. <laughs> he was uh, there with his family. He was there with his family. Uh, you know, the, the, so again, those were not plants. It was his parents that were shown on TV. They were there. They were off in the corner. They were not, he was not uh, making a Ric Flair-like scene at the bar by any means. Um, he was just chilling off to the side. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. Sounds like Dolph Ziggler is about as uh, personal as uh, Mick Foley in person. Yeah. Mick, some... Actually, you know what? I did? Mick Foley, did, he kind of blew me off once, too, at a bar. Yeah, actually, same, same here. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah, oh, it, yeah. Was, it was a real lame bar, too. It was a bar called Alimony Jacks. Just not a place you want to be ever. That's an awesome name. If they have a t-shirt, I want it. (laughs) (laughs) My buddy actually was really funny at that. There's a real funny story about that night. So my buddy, I was with two, two of my buddies. My one ran into some girl he went to like high school with or something. He was talking to her. And so me and my other buddy just kind of like, you know, standing there like, oh, hey, you were with him and we don't know what to do now. (laughs) And I elbow and I'm looking around like because I'm not really a part of this conversation and i see over them there's a signed picture i'm not making this up of axe and smash nice <laughs> bar. and i start elbowing my buddy i'm like dude there's a picture of axe and smash up there and we're just like laughing our ass off while our buddy's like talking to some chick that he hadn't seen in eight years and probably didn't see eight years after that that didn't see since so <laughs> well i know what i'm gonna get from you for christmas i'm gonna get a t-shirt in the mail from alamo jacks 
I want it. I don't know if it still exists anymore. I can't imagine it did. It was kind of hurting for business back then. I'll have to look it up. Man. I'll have to look up to see if Alimony Jack still exists in Parma, Ohio. <laughs> Somebody it, let me know. Even listening. if it was a dumpy bar, that is an awesome name. Yeah. I love it. And hey, I kind of want the Axe and Smash picture if they still have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had experience with Mick Foley, and uh, you would think the reason I always bring this up, I think I've mentioned it before in the show, but Foley, you would think this would be like he would be one of the coolest guys to meet in person. Like he seems like such an average guy down to earth if you've seen his reality show or anything, but he was just so unpersonable in person. I've heard this from multiple people too, like just really unapproachable. You try to talk to him. He just kind of like turned his back. And this was at the same bar that I sat with Bret Hart and Rowdy Roddy Piper and had beers sitting next to them, literally at the bar for about four hours one time in the summer of 2008. So, I mean, like a lot of wrestlers have hung out there and yeah, Foley was there and he, he could not be bothered. It was like, he, he mm-hmm. didn't want anything to do with anyone. Wow. Yeah, so maybe you just been browbeaten by Stephanie McMahon, like he wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk to him after that either. Oh man! So, all right, we got to mention this from Raw because this is my other big beef from the show: Cesaro and Sheamus. Oh God! What is the deal with having a seven-match series? And like we have said, they kept saying it was for a title shot, but they never said what title we were talking about. It turns out it was even. Uh, Less of a big deal than the U.S. title, arguably, because uh, since they didn't finish the series due to the stoppage at Clash of Champions, they were given a tag team title match where they are now forced to tag with each other against the New Day. So that's coming up. What do you think about this? Oh, it's horrible. So it, it clearly was the idea from the start. But it's a bad idea. Like, you just don't do that. You don't have these guys wrestle seven times on TV and they'd actually wrestled more if you include the stuff they'd done before the best of seven series officially started and then have them be a tag team. It just makes no sense. And of all the tropes that WWE relies on in its booking, where does wacky mismatch partners who don't get along rank for you? It's real low for me. I mean, it's something that if it was never done again, it would be too soon. The bad part is watch these guys be the ones that end the New Day's title reign rather than all these wasted opportunities for Anderson and Gallows to actually, you know, Ugh. earn their money and their contracts <laughs> rather than be wasted for nine months. That's another thing, too, that not a lot of people are talking about. That makes no sense to have them be the team because Cesaro is over as a baby face, right? Yeah. Well, he's going to go against New Day? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And, like, you, you would think that the Cesaro Sheamus thing, eventually they'll get along and you would imagine that would kind of make them a baby face act, I guess. Right. I mean, they're not going to have like, you know, I mean, is Sheamus going to like sell out and become like a heel? Like nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see Sheamus in general. I'm just going to be real I, honest I, with you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to stump for him. I think he's an okay <laughs> worker. I, I, I agree that he's not going to move the needle ever. But I thought he—I thought the series overall, the work was really good. I thought they were—that was the best match of the night, the Clash, even including that horrid finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that speaks to you know my opinion of the Clash show on Sunday. But I thought that was the match of the night. I had it. I'm looking at my report right now, my five thoughts column. I think I had it third best. Although there was a lot of them like really, really close. I thought yeah, I, I thought the yeah. Clash was like a solid show in the ring, but nothing that was really great i th- I thought it was a lot of good matches um i gave let's see one two three i gave like six of the eight matches somewhere in the three stars vicinity i can see that and you know i had some technical difficulties that night watching the show here thankfully my laptop is back and operational for this podcast but i tweeted out the next morning when i got a chance to do it it was exactly what i thought it was going to be it was a talented roster having decent matches that i didn't really care about and they were generally all booked pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's the clash in a nutshell. I mean, you know, I mean, it was, I had no emotional investment in any of the results it felt. Um, I didn't feel any of the finishes were good. Um, it is, you know, for as much as people want to roll, where are the stars today? You know, they've got, it's a talented roster as far oh, as, yeah. When, oh, yeah. you know, oh, one, whoever the last guy, I mean, your average pro wrestler on that roster today is much better in the ring than it ever has been at any time in WWE history. It's not even close. It's really. the best I mean, roster they've ever had by yeah. far. 
but they just the, the booking is the worst it's ever been. So, um, yeah, I forgot how we got on. Oh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you. I, I remember now as I'm looking at my match ratings, what was going through my mind when I was doing this. So I agree that that was probably the best match, but I did take off some points just based on that botched suicide dive. I took off a little bit when Cesaro landed on his head. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I yeah. got a lot, you know, at least, at least it made it memorable and he's okay. So <laughs> I feel like a sadist, yeah. you know, that like, oh, well, you know, he ate it and he was, he was fine. But yeah, I just, oh boy, I, I just, it just, the psychology of it makes no sense. It's not something that anyone wanted to see. Yeah. So you, you, you had this big build and then you give the audience something they don't want to see. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's very bad. Yeah. Especially when, you know, with raw, they, they kind of do that a lot. There's not, you know, Another thing I tweeted about recently is, my God, do they not know how to do anything on the baby? The, the baby face side of the roster is so weak. Like, who are the baby faces the audience is supposed to get behind on either show, really? Think, I mean, honestly, thank God for John Cena at this point. Well, they've buried Sami Zayn. I mean, yep. he's, he's mid-level talent now. That was a guy who had main event potential. Yeah, um, and lost to Jericho on Sunday, and I don't even think was on the show Monday. No. Um, now they're trying to get behind Rollins as a baby face after they blew it last spring or early summer. Yeah, uh, but I think – I just don't think there's enough heat there, and he's not going to win the title. No. Uh, so, the New Day is losing a lot of steam as baby yes. faces. So, yeah, if you look – yeah, you look down the Clash card, you're exactly right. I'm looking and at this. And they killed Enzo no, and Cass on Raw. Yeah, there's no transcendent – baby face on the raw route there's not a top baby face in general i don't even know no. who it would be honestly this and this is a promotion that when it's been at its best i mean you know the history of this company it's always been on the back of a really strong baby face yeah hogan austin rock cena i mean you know when wwe is at its strongest it's when it has a really strong baby face champion and now i mean i like both heel champions they have right now um but you know you could argue <laughs> that they get two of the strongest babyface reactions on the roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be Balor if he hadn't got hurt. He'd probably be the top yeah. babyface right now. I'll tell you what, I have a ton more respect for John Cena watching this Roman Reigns not get over to the degree they want. I mean, say what you will, but, like, it's not even close. Like, Cena, I don't like Cena's character. I never really have. It's just not my deal, but it's a good babyface character, really. Yeah. It's just that... You, you could just argue that the way he's booked and, you know, maybe it doesn't fit the times. And there's some stuff that's unfair against him in that he had to follow two of the most successful baby faces of all time, Steve Austin and The Rock. And, you know, no matter who was put into that position, they ultimately would be looked at a, you know, kind of unfavorably. But like, man, I mean, he, he did a lot better in that role than Roman Reigns has. In terms of getting over with at least a segment of the audience. Well, I think the biggest difference between Reigns and Cena is that... Cena naturally got over as a babyface first before they put the rocket on his back. Like Cena That's had, Cena had that point. that yeah he had that that fan following um, when he was doing the whole like rap thing, thugonomics, all that, and people liked him a lot. Like the hardcore fans loved Cena when he was a heel when he came to the roster, uh, and he got good reactions for a long time. And when they made him into the Super Cena character, right? That's when you had the split reactions. But he he had been he had had the the groundswell of support where people naturally came to him. And Reigns never had that. They just made Reigns the top guy without him ever having that like organic fan following. I think that's yeah, the and, difference. And the problem with Reigns is it was around the same time that everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to be in that spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they fought that, and that that really. You know, hurt Reigns. It also really, to be honest with you, um, you know, it was the same thing kind of hurt Sheamus. Remember when they were trying? I mean, Sheamus was never earmarked for that kind of level. But you know, when they did the big squash at WrestleMania 28, that backfired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's got you know again, you know, match or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that you know, their idea to get Sheamus over as this great babyface basically ensured that he would never get over as a top babyface. Yeah, very tone deaf decisions there. <laughs> Very much so. It was a dark era in WWE. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was going to say, just to your Cena point, really, I didn't think it went downhill until they actually switched him over to Raw, if you remember the reaction. Like, when he won the title it, from JBL, who obviously, you know, anyone who did that was going to kind of get a babyface reaction. Um, 
he was still over as a babyface. It wasn't until they made that switch when they remember they switched the champions him and Batista yeah. in the summer of 05. Summer of 05, yeah. Yeah, it kind of went downhill for both of them after that. I think in retrospect, that was actually eh, not the greatest move. I mean, it was inevitable, but when they did it, I don't think it worked initially. He, he did get it. I remember when they drafted him, it was that big surprise, and he got a huge pop when he came out. But yeah, you're exactly right. Summer of 05, moving forward, that's when the crowd turned, because I was at WrestleMania 22 in early 06, and uh, that Chicago crowd was uh, very vicious to Cena. And that was like it, at the it, very start of that all yeah, going down. Well, it had been boiling for a couple months if you've been paying attention, because I remember that SummerSlam, which was like the first major show he worked after uh, switching brands. It was the, the Hogan HBK SummerSlam. Yeah. That people, that's when the dueling chants were born. I remember, you know, you had Jericho had just done the heel turn, and there was a definite segment of the audience cheering for Jericho that night. And then it continued with Angle. Um, and you know, the edge in 06. So yeah, that was, I remember that. It'd be kind of fun to go back and watch some of these shows now with like hindsight of 10 years and see what we thought, especially that, that Hogan HPK thing. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always amusing to watch yeah. in retrospect. Yes. Patreon.com guys. Yeah. Check especially when Shawn Michaels told us the next night that wrestling was fake. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, I mean, the reborn Shawn Michaels. He was still pretty unprofessional at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not yeah, a Hogan fan, was, but geez. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Let's let's start off raw by saying, yeah, folks, just so you know, that was a fake match last night, and now I'm going back to my real character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shawn. But you know what, Kyle? We still remember all these details and what happened. And ask us about Raw and SmackDown a month ago, and you know, more so Raw. And it's it's just it's, it's just not there. It's not in the long term memory. Yeah, it really is. I don't know. Maybe it's old age. Yeah, I don't think it's all old age. I think it's the quality of the shows. So you're on to something there. Yeah. So uh, overall, though, just to conclude our WWE discussion here, Raw disappointing. SmackDown a better show, but disappointing compared to where the show has been lately. Um, we don't have the Cruiserweight Classic to look forward to anymore. Uh, we do have the Cruiserweights on Raw, though, and uh, well, we had some good... I, this week, there were decent matches. The, the first week were, was kind of a throwaway. The the presentation, though, is not great. Yeah. And I, I by the way, loved, loved, loved what Abby wrote in the Raw report, ripping on those fans for chanting CM Punk and Randy Savage. That was terrible. Who, when, who when, the hell is chanting for CM Punk at this point? What are you thinking? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I don't mean to be like an ass here. But Randy Savage ain't coming back, folks. Okay, he ain't gonna be on Raw. I just gotta <laughs> break that break that to you. Sorry. Randy Savage might be coming out here in a few weeks because that might be my Halloween costume. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking about it. Guess what? You know what I was for Halloween last year? Randy Savage. Yes, I was. Oh yeah. I have a cape and everything. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> nice. Make my wife be Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about. I've actually been calling my daughter Macho Baby lately, so been oh, kind of yeah. working up to it. Yeah, we had a we had a whole nice group. We were we were dead wrestlers. Actually, was the gimmick you had to pick one. <laughs> and if you want to see photos of this, you guys become a Patreon supporter of the show. <laughs> I will send. I have a great picture. I have a great photo. I can show. I can share with everybody. I will do that. Awesome. It was unbelievable. Although somebody was Nikolai Volkov, who is not dead to my knowledge, but it was still he had a great costume. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. When else can you go out in public and look like a pro wrestler? It's the greatest uh... time of the year. Yeah, well, yeah. not look like a complete tool like the people that wear championship belts to Raw and SmackDown. Please tell me you've never done that, Kyle. No. When you I was you saw it at SmackDown, though, didn't you? No, I didn't. But I was going to say when I went to Fastlane in February, there was a dude wearing a Steve Austin vest, no shirt, title <laughs> oh belt, God. was not more than five years younger than me. You suck, you jackass. I was like, like he was like actually making some decent points about what I was watching, but I didn't want to like talk to him or take anything he said seriously. I was just like laughing. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) What are you thinking? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, speaking of what are you thinking, um, this brings us to TNA. And the big story going around the last few days is TNA may or may not exist come Bound for Glory this Sunday. I guess maybe this is actually building up some interest in Bound for Glory because people are wondering, all right, is it actually going to <laughs> Will air? this people, show happen? Yes. People are actually talking about Bound for Glory, and uh, TNA is reportedly for sale, as they've been for a few weeks. 
Uh, we do know that we can confirm WWE has been involved in possibly bidding on the on uh, TNA. We don't know how much. Uh, it can't be much, to be honest with you, because Vince McMahon bought WCW for just under $5 million in 2001, and that was a company with a lot of history, a much bigger tape catalog than TNA has. Uh, so I can't imagine they're bidding much, but, T- but WWE is involved in possibly trying to acquire TNA probably just for the tape library. Um, I don't know. You think this show is going to happen, Kyle? I have no idea. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't know if I was a betting man. I guess it's all in Billy Corgan's lap. If he wants to do it, like he's got to take a look at it. And he, he kind of made these comments. It's one thing to keep it going, but like, can you keep it going after that? You know, I mean, okay, you can, he can probably scratch the money together, put on bound for glory. But if, you know, if he can't really keep it going, like, you know, more than two weeks after what's the point of doing the show? Like, I mean, if, if it's the end, just realize it's the end. Um, so I, I honestly, I have no idea. It's not a good sign. And, you know, I was talking to you before we went live that when WCW died in 2001, I remember, you know, I had stopped watching it almost all together. It was just an unwatchable program. And I was like, yeah, I could even care. I could care less about this WCW. Who the heck cares if it goes out of business? And it turns out, you know, that was the worst thing that ever happened in pro wrestling problem. Well, not the worst thing, but um, I think the you worst- can make the argument it was the worst thing. Uh, business wise, it was, I mean, yeah. there's been some darker moments, um, you know, given to us by, uh, you know, oh, the deaths, a, of course. Yeah. 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 The deaths are, are the worst, but yeah, it, like as far as non-death related, um, yeah, it's the worst thing that ever happened with TNA. Do you even, I mean, I feel that this, I mean, this is a company that really, I don't know. It. I just feel like there's no TNA specific viewers. Are there? I mean, there can't be anyone who, like, oh, there are. I, I will tell you, there are. Maybe you oh. haven't seen it, but anytime we write anything negative about TNA on Top Rope Press, they come out of the woodwork. Oh, I they think, do. Yes, oh, there yeah. are those people. TNA but, Mecca. <laughs> it's like yeah. some forum or something where they're just like hardcore TNA fans. And it's like they scour the internet daily for anyone bashing TNA. And they will yeah. they will come after you with a vengeance. I, yeah, but you know what? That number is nowhere near the number that dropped off and stopped watching wrestling with WCW. That was like a significant number. Yeah. You know, everyone thought that, oh, well, Raw is going to do these colossal numbers. Now there's only one show on Monday night. That never happened. I mean, there are just hundreds of thousands of people who just stopped watching professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and they didn't stop back. watching it right in a one. They had given up starting in 99. WCW had basically annihilated its own audience by, you know, killing all the favorites um, and making the brand just seem so uncool. But, um, did you like if TNA went on business, if a show didn't happen, what would your reaction be? Don't care. Give it okay. the old Jay Cutler. Don't care. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I Do mean, you, like, who would you want to see if anyone WWE absorbed? Because I think they're not only going to get the tape library. I would assume there'd be a couple guys that they want to bring in. Matt Hardy's kind of making a name for himself. There's been talk that they've kind of they're kind of revisiting their view on him. Um, you know, is there anyone specific that you want to see come into WWE on that TNA roster? Well, E3, EC3, he's been there as a de- developmental talent in the past, but I, that's someone I'd like to see get another chance. Um, maybe Lashley come back. Yeah. Matt Hardy would, for sure. Lashley to me, the, by the way, those are like the only four names that like, came to my mind too. Uh, Lashley to me, what would you think? I ref, I'm, I can't remember who I, I just told this to like a buddy and they were like, yeah, that's not that cool. I thought, and I, I kind of thought it was a good idea. What would you think about Lashley as an opponent for Lesnar? Yeah. I mean, they both got the MMA background. Yes. And then they could play it up and like, you know, Lashley has been there before. I mean, he was, I mean, he was another guy they had the rocket to, and it never really worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honestly, but, I, I wouldn't mind a TNA invasion angle. I know like a very small, portion of the audience actually watches tna but it could be it could still be interesting i mean give them a way to use the tape library uh they could bring in the belts with them you could have lashley come on raw or smackdown with with the tna world title around his waist uh, what do you think the one loss record of those guys would be for the first three months well, they're on the roster? looking at the uh, wcw invasion pro- they would probably never win 
actually. But yeah, there's there's one other guy that I would for sure want, and that'd be Michael Bennett. Um, I yes. was I was actually kind of when he went from Ring of Honor to TNA, I was pretty disappointed because he could do so much better things in Ring of Honor than TNA. So I definitely Mike Bennett. I could see them bringing him in too, just to screw over Cody Rhodes, just because I know Cody and uh, his wife—they wanted to do like kind of a feud in TNA. That's why Cody went there, like so him and his wife can do the, you know, feud with uh, Bennett and Maria. And so I could see like a spiteful WWE doing that. Yeah, yeah, I could which see would that. actually kind of amuse me. <laughs> yeah, but other than those ones that we mentioned, uh, I can't really think of anyone else in the roster that would be like a must-have. Um, yeah, I mean. There's guys that they could maybe just, you know, put it in NXT. Although, I mean, the NXT roster right now is filled, you know, filled over the brim. So, yeah, um, you know, they're not going to bring back Cody. I don't think they're not going to bring back Sandow. And, you know, looking at the rest of this group, yeah, maybe, but I don't think that I, I don't see a lot of priorities on this list. It would probably be better if uh, I know another group that's been negotiating is, um, it's the, uh, the the owners of Ring of Honor, the uh, television network. Drawn Sinclair. Right yeah, Sinclair. If Sinclair absorbed TNA and mixed in some of those guys with the Ring of Honor, that's, that's probably like the best scenario if they do get sold and they go completely under. Because Ring of Honor is definitely the number two company in the U.S. at this point. I mean, far more people watch Ring of Honor considering it's, in, it's syndicated across uh, network television in most places like CBS and Fox affiliates throughout the country. I think a lot more people are watching Ring of Honor than TNA these days. Um, I would so agree you, with that. So you can, you could absorb those people into the Ring of Honor roster. They'd probably be happy to have a few of them. Uh, sure. Get, yeah. Get, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure that this, this show is happening Sunday, but I, I will admit I have a little bit of an interest in TNA for the first time just to see what the heck happens here in the next you couple of days. see if the show happens. It, here's the thing. If the show happens, will what happens during the show be a letdown? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, okay, the show's happening. That's cool. But then, like, the show happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, like, yeah. it's back to, oh, well, this isn't very interesting or compelling stuff. And, you know, there are a lot of people who have made the point that, you know, stuff on TNA has been better recently, but I just feel like, you know, the ship has sailed. Oh, the the name is just so damaged. The name it, TNA. Yeah, there's been some reports out there that Corgan would change the name if he did buy it, and I absolutely think that's a great move. First of all, the name TNA, I remember when it first started, I was like, what a stupid name for a company. Yeah. TNA. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you call your company that? Everyone and knows like what you're thinking. The, and at that time, it wasn't far removed from WWE doing the tag team TNA. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? I got a lot of those weekly pay-per-views, by the way. It was it was okay when they called it NWA TNA. But when, they, when yes. it just went to TNA, it was like, all right, this is stupid. It just yeah. seems low rent. Yeah, it just did. Yeah, and then like, and you know, like when Vince Russo was involved, then it just like really was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Vince Russo. If it, if, it, if it wasn't dead already, he helped put the nail in the Yeah, yeah. Vince Russo running a promotion called TNA is like the worst thing ever. He was like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. TNA, they've been on life support for a long time, so we'll see if this show actually happens or not. Um, I guess what it comes down to is if Billy Corgan can make an agreement with Dixie Carter, who it sounds like doesn't want to give up power. That's one of the sticking points right now. Um, and... Corgan must really love wrestling if he wants to put that much of his own money into this thing because, like you said, TNA is kind of a damaged brand. So I'm not sure this thing can succeed regardless, but we will see. I was a big Pumpkins fan in the mid-'90s, but God, is he still doing Is he doing that well that he can you know, flush all that down? He must, royalties must be coming in still because... Yeah, man. Melancholy and Infinite Sadness still paying the bills, huh? <laughs> I saw a report a little bit ago, and they said... Uh, Corgan's worth about forty million dollars. So it's better than I'm doing, but you know, I mean, it's not as anywhere in the neighborhood of Vince or what you need. Yeah, putting in a really? million or two into this company. I mean, if you're worth forty million, if you if you want to put a mil, even a million dollars, one fortieth of your wealth into TNA, might not be the wisest investment. So I guess I'm rooting for the uh, Sinclair deal personally. Okay. If they sell, so yeah. Other than that, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if they don't, yeah, you're right. I almost think that they have to, because, I mean, the current business model just isn't, like, I mean, I think if, okay, Billy Corgan's in, I just don't think it's going to work, even with him. I just don't, I think the, 
the talent is there overall. Um, there's just and they owe so many people so much money. Yeah. I, I just think it. I think it, it, it's over, man. Why would you go wrestle there and not know if you're going to get paid? Just looking at the track record. So yeah, yeah. we we, did, we need did a Cody huge... Rhodes kill TNA apparently. I mean, like <laughs> did like get bringing him in like kill the company? I mean, like kind of seems like it. Oh, they yeah, they just need a whole makeover. So if I guess that is one reason to root for Billy Corgan to see like what he would do to completely change the name, redo the image, everything. I mean. I have seen the show a few times recently, and it, it is quite a bit better than it used to be, but just hardly anyone even knows of the station that they're on. Uh, I just I just don't feel like anyone... You know, you have all these wrestling companies these, these days that have hardcore followings, or whether it's Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Lucha Underground, uh, Evolve. They all have like these hardcore, like serious wrestling fan followings, and nobody even considers TNA in, in any of their leagues. And that's the problem. I mean, it's just all those other companies could do so much more by having like a big dollar funder come in and put, pump some real money into those promotions. So, you know, right. I think about it. It's, it's just too bad that TNA never could get guys like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles on their roster. You oh know? man. Really fucked with that. <laughs> you know, it's just too bad. They never could have fought. Oh wait. Oh yeah, they did. They had that and they really screwed that up. Oh boy. TJ Perkins, current cruiserweight yeah. champion. They, they had so much talent. We, we were talking off air. Like I really liked TNA in the early to mid two thousands. It was it was it actually was a true alternative. The X division was awesome. They had all these guys when they were young, like AJ and Samoa Joe. And I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Once they became WWE light, that was the end. That was the end game right there. And ever since, it, it just hasn't been. You need a true alternative that gives you what WWE doesn't give you, not what WWE gives you watered down. And that's what TNA has been for the last decade. Yeah, that they could. They honestly could have been what WWE kind of almost is, you know, to be honest with you. You know, in terms of in ring presentation, they could be what I mean, how many of the guys could they have had their hands on right now? That If you look at the guys who are on top in WWE, I mean, obviously, okay, they weren't going to get John Cena. They're not going to get Roman Reigns, but like all these other guys were there for the taking, man. They could have been NXT before NXT. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly what they could have been. Exactly. They could, they could have been. And you know, I mean, again, would they have, you know, been sniffing the kind of business WWE was doing? Probably not. But I, I think that it would have at least built and cultivated a fan base. Yeah. Rather than, you know, building around Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) <laughs> which has never been, you know, no successful promotion has ever done that. No. So a lot of problems there. You could write a book on it. Mm-hmm. So, hey, maybe that's on your horizon, Kyle. I don't know. Uh, Death of WCW, that book did well. I don't think Death of TNA would do as, as well. People have been asking Alvarez to write that book for years. And uh, I don't think, especially now that he's got a kid, I don't think he's going to do it. But it would be yeah, pretty entertaining. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he watches much wrestling, really, but it's, it's a different story for different games. <laughs> uh, speaking of watching much wrestling, let's close on this. We had Abby on the show last week, and uh, we we're talking about New Japan. Did you get a chance to watch any New Japan over the last week, no, Kyle? No, I haven't. I did subscribe to it, and I didn't haven't watched any of it because you know I I got I was out of town last weekend, and um, Kyle went on a bender. Is what yes. we're trying to say. Yes, I did. And I have had no time. I've been racking my brain. I, even before we went on the show here, I had my nose in the my notes for college football, trying to scrape that together. I haven't. It was funny. I had a conversation last night with a buddy who has New Japan World. And he's like, you know, I think I've had watched it. Like, I really want to watch it. But I he had same issue. He's like, he, he, he actually set aside time to watch the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom and stuff. He, he watched the big shows. But he's like, you know, God, I just would love to sit down and like, you know, carve out a day or two and just like. Just binge watch this stuff. Mm-hmm. Adulthood is terrible. You know, I really wish I could go back to my early 20s when I had no responsibility. And my main concerns, you know, with procuring random tapes from various territories and watching them like six hour tapes. I miss that. I would have had no social life if uh, streaming wrestling had been around when I was in yes. my early 20s. Yeah, I know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> to think so. that would if it would have been that easy like, but at the same time though that's another thing i feel like almost because it's easier now that you don't do it because you're like oh i can always do that but yeah. like you know if you went through the process of like buying you know like a tape off even like i remember our, my buddy and i we like bought all this smoky mountain tv off from some guy on ebay 
like a ton, like 36 hours of Smoky Mountain TV. Yeah. Mid nineties. Yeah. Like when it was real, when it was really on fire and we got it, we just like started plowing through this stuff over the course of a month. Um, you know, now when it's like, ah, you know, I can watch it whenever, you know, it's there. Um, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, and again, there's stupid adult things that come up, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't watch it as much as I should. I've had it, like I said, for a long time. I watch the big shows. Um, I saw Sunday morning, I watched a little bit of the Destruction show, but I uh, didn't get through even half of it. So it's something I still want to go back and watch. So maybe we'll have uh, Abby on the show here again soon and talk about what happened there and what's coming up on the horizon for New Japan. There's just there's so much good wrestling out there. We, we complained a lot about WWE this week on the show, even though SmackDown has been pretty good in recent weeks. Uh, but Hey, if there's, if you're not liking what's on WWE, there's a lot out there. You can watch, you can watch new Japan. You can watch ring of honor. Lucha underground's always great. So just, you know, look around. It's all around you. Yeah. And there's always old stuff too. You know, oh, you yeah. can go back and watch. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're not, by the way, doing a video podcast here. Oh God. What's going on? I think my dog puked and is now eating it. <laughs> I think that's what's going on here. And what did you eat, pal? <laughs> Live radio. You never know what can happen. Yeah, this is... Anything can happen on Top Rope Nation. Yeah, so this is unbelievable. What did you eat, like an egg? What is that? <laughs> it's like I the warrior in the 91 and Papa Shango going on. In the Ross household <laughs> family living room. That is an amazing reference right there, yes. <laughs> You know, I, it's funny because I had thought about doing some live video broadcast down the line, maybe like a Google Hangout, maybe for Patreon subscribers or something okay. like that. So maybe yeah, maybe we'll do that, and Kyle's dogs can make a, a guest appearance. Yeah, and they can. Pu- yeah, it can be like Darren Drozdov, You know, yeah. <laughs> he's puke. <laughs> oh God. Well, I've got one thing I want you to do for me, okay? And that's going to be right back over here. Oh no! I've been waiting for this. Okay, I guess. Okay. You want, you want a little coffee up? or what? Huh? Oh, God. Huh? I think I'll be good. Need some more? Huh? <laughs> Try not to get it on the rust of my table here. I won't. Huh? Can you do that? Huh? You going to get sick? That's huh? Oh. <laughs> huh? Oh, my God. He, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's coming to puke. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. That's it. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a great documentary. Yeah, I loved it. Beyond the Mat. All right, we're going to wrap things up here for this week. Uh, we've covered a lot of topics, as usual. Well, we sure have. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, like we said, check out patreon.com slash Nation. Throw a dollar a week at us. That's all we're asking. One dollar for us. Don't know. make us beg. Don't we make us beg. We know that people Please. are downloading the show. We see the statistics. It's it's embarrassing. But, yeah, we do have a lot of listeners out there. If even, like, 1% of you donated a buck or two, we could get this thing going and do some more shows per week. And we'd probably, honestly, if we did some Patreon-only shows, it, I mean, not that we're overly serious here on the regular show, but it'd be a lot more free-flowing. There might be beers involved. Kyle's oh. dogs. You never know yeah. what could happen. I'll tell you what, by the time this show's done, I may not have any cleanup to do over here. This, all the puke can <laughs> be gone. Keep going. <laughs> so, patreon.com backslash uh, Top Rope Nation. Again, check out that t-shirt. Even if you don't buy it, just check out the design. Let us know what you think. ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Top Rope Press for that one. Um, as always, leave us a review on uh, iTunes if you like the show. It helps us out a lot. Otherwise... Until next time, you can check our writing out at uh, topropepress.com, all the other podcasts on the topropepress.com radio network, and uh, we will catch you guys next week.